Welcome to the Life is a Ceremony podcast by Petiti Institute. We're inspired to share practical insights to engage everyday life as an evolutionary journey. Every moment is an opportunity to practice. If you would like to send us a question or a comment or a donation, you're welcome to visit www.paititi-institute.org. That's www.paititi-institute.org. Hello, friends. So today we're going to be sharing this talk with uh, our friend Mindagas. And uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the purpose and meaning of everyday life and how it connects to our spiritual purpose. I think something like that. And Mindagas will clarify. Hello, Mindagas. Great to see you. Hello. Hey. Nice, nice to see you too. And uh, I'm very happy to be here and discuss this topic uh, that is one of my one of my most interested ones um, that has been fueling my journeys uh, for the past however many years now. Mindagas, would you mind would you mind sharing a little bit of your journey with with our audience? Just for sure, for sure. Uh, sure. Um, so over, over the last five to ten years, I've been on this spiritual journey that took me to too many places, um, healing trauma, finding finding my center of gravity, perhaps, in, in this shaky, shaky world. And eventually it took me to, to this space where I felt pretty stable and purpose became one of those one of those areas that really captured my attention like I, I felt deep deep resonance to you know what's what's my place in this world what's my unique place in this world you know why was I brought here and that led me to explore uh, what's out there um, what people are doing, how people are doing it, different t- traditions, different teachings. Um, and one of the reasons um, why I joined Petiti uh, was because of this purpose, um, purpose-led inquiry interest. And I felt like Petiti uh, definitely touched upon upon this area, upon upon this exploration of one's purpose um and here we are here we are looking at it uh from different angles exploring it so hope to hope to get into into this a bit more deeply with you roman and hopefully you can share um how the lineages that you're engaging with perceive purpose how you perceive purpose how how do you understand it? How how it differs, perhaps, from our shared purpose and our individual purpose. So I'm very curious to hear your perspective, hear your experiences of, you know, the the people that you interacted with, because I I feel like I'm I'm not the only one who comes across to places like Paititi. Um, looking for for something something deeper something some hearing this calling 
of, of, of something more that there is something more to the life than nine to five job and, um, you know, wife, kid, house and a car. Mm-hmm. So I'm very curious to, to hear um, your perspectives and experiences as well. Thank you, Mindagas. So yeah, that's a very interesting topic. And uh, there are some fascinating perspectives that I found within the elders of the indigenous communities and how they relate to purpose and how it's naturally cultivated within these ancient societies. And uh, actually the purpose of these societies, it has to do with being, which is a very uh, revolutionary concept in today's world because today's world is all about doing and it's this rat race that uh, the humanity is living in. And um, actually, in ancient world, it was more about being. We are human beings. We are not human doings. And so in our modern world today, what I observe is, uh, first I'm going to do something and then I'm going to be happy. And uh, then, of course, there is always something to do. And there is uh, no time to be happy. And uh, in ancient societies, people say that we are born to be happy, just like birds fly in the sky. And uh, first, we are supposed to be happy, and then we're supposed to do everything else. And so in my own life, when I came to these traditions, my purpose was, I want to heal this disease that I had at that time. And then I'm going to be happy. And uh, then what my teachers told me was that uh, actually it was the other way around. First, I have to learn to be happy and then I'm going to heal from the disease. And then, of course, that applies to everything else in life, which is the cultivation of being before doing. And so I find that to be very meaningful and uh, also very uh, often dismissed in today's world, in today's society, is this aspect of being and then there is the mind gets wrapped up in so many different things and of course uh, we also live in a society of consumerism and uh, like you mentioned uh, this nine to five job when I myself was working in a nine to five job in my life I was basically uh, I was getting paid well I was working in the corporate world and living in New York. And uh, at the same time, all of the money that I got paid went to pay for the rent and for the bills and uh, to eat out in restaurants, to have a relationship. And, uh, there were, and, and it was basically a vicious cycle because I, I had to keep working so that I can keep my apartment that was most of the time empty because I was at work all the time, right? So um, it's this consumerism-based society where there has to be constant um, work that is often not connected with one's inspiration, with one's meaning, uh, just to continue to subsist and continue to circle within that kind of uh, never-ending cycle. 
And um, in ancient world, if we look at the societies here in the Andes, for example, um, in the ancient times, half of the year was celebration, was dedicated to celebration. And the other half of the year, people work together in the community, making sure that uh, they can have good harvest, that they can plant the food, that they can have, you know, a good um, um, infrastructure in their community. And, um, and then they had a lot of time to just be, to celebrate life. And uh, that is something that is greatly missing in the world today, where we have in a modern society, what is it like most of the time, one or two week vacation a year that people can have <laughs> to themselves. And then uh, the rest of the time is uh, just this uh, kind of uh, hamster wheel, the wear and tear of everyday life. And then uh, there is uh, very little time that is left to for inspiration to discover one's own meaning and purpose beyond the life in society. What is the purpose that we have in the universe before the purpose that we have in society? And that's what the ancient societies, they are focusing on. The human being as a being of the universe and not a being, not a, an, a, an end in the conveyor belt of society. And uh, then through that inspiration, then there comes uh, a lot of insight, innovation, ingenuity, which is lacking when there is a hamster wheel existence. So that is the general perspective of the ancient systems, of the ancient uh, societies. And uh, the fascinating part of it is that in these societies, they don't have a concept of right and wrong. So it's not like whether you have a purpose or you don't. And if you have good and if not, then it's wrong because the purpose is on the level of being. And so we all have this childlike essence within us that wishes to explore, to discover. And then through different life circumstances, it's inhibited from that deeper way of being. And so these societies, they encourage people to return to the childlike essence, not childish, but childlike, right? To be like a child, not to act like a child, but to be like a child, which means to be present within this life circumstances and bring the awe, the wonder, the, the sense of exploration, the discovery, the recognition of deeper meaning within the most random and seemingly um, meaningless circumstances. And that can also come through being. And so the consumerist type of society that we live in, the interesting part of it is that for these people here, that's also not wrong. And it is this kind of infantile state of consciousness maturation where the child, the childish type of approach is to expect everything from the outside. I don't have to do the work. I can just live in this society of convenience. Everything is provided. There is a lot of comfort. Everything is done for me, right? That's the, even our science today is gearing towards that, how to make things easier 
for us. And at the same time, we don't tend to have more time in our lives. You know, things are so much easier today than they were a thousand years ago. And at the same time, we are busier than ever. For sure. For sure. You 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 weaved so many things and and into this perspective that you just shared. Uh and part of me would like to even unpack each each segment and, and even go deeper to it. But I, I really like that you touched upon the being or being being human for a vast period of time, let's say within a year, half a year is spent on being, on being perhaps in the nature, being with oneself, and then the rest is dedicated working in the communities. Uh, I really, that really resonates because I think through being, we get that personal introspection time, which is necessary for us to connect with ourselves. And then you jumped into consumerism uh, this this space of the capitalism, consumerism that creates with this fake sense of safety, perhaps this illusion of comfort that I see. And as as you rightly mentioned, you know we work nine to five, we earn let's say good money, whatever that is, and 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 in this um, conversation. And yet we don't have time. We work longer than before. It's easier for us to work because most of our work is now automated. And yet we work weekends. We lo- we work overtime and have less and less time for ourselves, our families, let alone discovering one's purpose, which to me is such a personal journey into oneself. Um, and And I think that space environment consumer consumeristic capitalistic environment mindset is really hindering us and yet like myself part part of the capitalistic world um i caught myself uh, in this space and and there was this voice inside of me that there is something more to it. There, there is something deeper. Like, like there, 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 there is a particular type of sea turtles that um, the sea turtle parents lay eggs in under under the sand in the beaches, and when they hatch, they they make their way into into the ocean, and they. They swim, swim thousands of miles somewhere, and they learn this life. Um, they learn how to how to be sea turtles, basically. And eventually, they reach this point of of maturity through this experience, this life experience of dangers of exploration. They reach a certain level of maturity, and they they have this knowing, this knowing of I, well, perhaps not I, but the, the sea turtle knows that they need to go back to the island where they hatched to hatch more eggs. And they traveled thousands of miles and yet they can precisely remember like how to get there, how to get to the same beach where, where they hatched. 
and and I see that as that inner inner calling, that inner inner something, soul perhaps, you know, something that directs us somewhere. And like I'm using this analogy because I feel like we each of us have this calling, calling to something, something unique, um, something unique and perhaps something shared. What I really enjoyed in, um, in South America and in, in particularly in Peru, when I came to, to, to this concept of Chacana, like the, the symbol, it's almost like made of, of, of these little staircase on each side and each level represents upper world, middle world, and underworld. Mm-hmm. And I kind of see this as upper world, like this perhaps enlightened space, shared purpose, some sort of shared heart, unity, something, something around those lines. And then middle part as, as this middle world purpose, something, something to help us survive something to put food on our table, something that we find within ourselves that does not damage the earth, perhaps, and yet sustains us. And then this underworld, that to me is, is, is the sweet spot where the soul resides, where, where our unique place, that deep, deep purpose that perhaps we don't talk a lot of uh, resides um, where basically we have this unique soul purpose uh, and we can only find it in the underworld deep inside of us I'm, I'm using underworld as, 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 a, as a as a synonym perhaps to to the inner psyche inner inner world and and we have this unique calling to something like those turtles, like those turtles, they know, each of them know where to go and when, like they reach a point in in their life, that level of maturation. And then I feel like each of us as humans have that inner unique purpose amongst all the other purposes, let's say middle world work, we find work that is somewhat fulfilling, we contribute to the community, society, to the world. And then we've got like, let's say the upper world we can call it individualization, self-realization, some sort of enlightenment, perhaps, you know, this more kind of shared purpose. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that calling, that inner knowing is, is something that has propelled me to explore, you know, what's out there, what's, what's deep inside of me? Like, what, what are my shadows hiding? Like a lot of Carl Jung's, um, writings imply like the individual individualization stages where we meet the shadows um we we engage with anima animas and then we reach the self-actualization stage like the wholeness when we tap into various other elements or perhaps healing our various elements and we come to that wholeness where we take that spot that like we take that spot of our calling perhaps in this world so i I, i'm very curious to hear what you think of of what i just said or perhaps how how can you relate to this from from the traditions that you have been engaging 
Like, what do you think about this unique individual purpose versus perhaps this more shared community, shared hard purpose? Would love to hear your perspective in more depth as well. Yeah, there is this uh, quote by Jung. I believe it goes, uh, no tree reaches to heaven without its roots reaching to hell at the same time. And um, of course, Jung, he basically translated a lot of the ancestral wisdom in more comprehensible language. Uh, He did not invent necessarily something new. He um, studied with many ancient societies around the world and he brought these perspectives in an objective way. And um, yeah, it very much aligns with the cultures in the Amazon and in the Andes uh, that I've witnessed uh, also in the Tibetan culture as well. And um, Jung wrote a lot about the Tibetan culture. He also did some work with the Amazonian tradition. And then, of course, uh, Joseph Campbell, he studied a lot with uh, uh, different tribes from around the world. And he wrote... uh, um, this uh, there are two books by him uh, called masks of god uh, primitive psychology and uh, he speaks a lot about the uh, the tribal state of consciousness um, and perspectives in these two books and uh, what you mentioned in terms of the chakana the three realms of existence uh, so Uh, That's very much present also in the Amazon and in the Andes, um, where there there are the complementary opposites, right? These cultures, like I mentioned before, they're not based on the duality of right versus wrong, but they're based on the complementary aspects of existence. The the opposing uh, complementary sides of the universe, like the Earth, and the sun, the shadow, and the light, and then the connecting link between the two. And this is present within many, if not all, ancient cultures, right? The masculine and the feminine. So the the, the complementary opposites of life. And then how they unite to the childlike essence. So within the Taoist tradition, for example, there is the yang, there is the yin, and there is the learning curve between the two, right? And so then the uh, the center of the yang has the yin and the center of the yin has the yang, right? So they're constantly weaving around each other. They're not separate, right? So yeah, there is the shadow and the light, but without the shadow, there would be no light. And without the light, there would be no shadow, right? So uh, it is part of the greater whole where... In today's world, it's often perceived in a separate way, where it's something that is opposing, like, for example, even ignorance and wisdom. And ignorance is perceived to be as bad, but without ignorance, it's not possible to cultivate wisdom. Awareness of ignorance is the seed of wisdom. And it's a deviation from the Socratian uh, uh, quote I believe that the awareness of ignorance is the beginning of wisdom right something like that 
So um, definitely there is um, there is a lot for us to to recognize within our own being and the society that is based on identity and image and how I'm supposed to know things. And if I don't know, then people will think I'm stupid. So I have to pretend that I know and then I'll never really ask questions that will allow me to learn. And then it's just parroting and mimicking what others are doing just to confirm and uh, to be part of the collective. Right. So um, in in and then that that seed of childlike essence is not really nurtured on its evolutionary journey. And then uh, with the the shadow, you know, the shadow realm, the middle realm, the everyday existence, and then the upper realm. So first is to admit one's ignorance. First is to admit one's shadows the incapacities of life and not to make it wrong but to make it as a catalyst for learning as a motivation for the evolutionary path of course within the community of people who are vulnerable and are also having that intention and uh, that is the spiritual community right the community of friends the IU in the Indian tradition um and uh, Sangha in the Tibetan tradition, um, Satsang in, in Hindu tradition, right? So there are many different perspectives, but it is this intentional community of friends who um, really wish to get to the truth of being beyond concepts, beyond words. And uh, for that, then it has to be um, a seed that is planted in the shadow Realm, right? This is where the seeds are planted in the underworld. Without that, you know, the light would have no meaning if the seeds would not be planted in the underworld first. Um, our Kero elder uh, in uh, the last retreat that we've had, people asked him about the shadow realm. And he said, yeah, he said the modern the today's religion the monotheistic religions they're all about the god who is in heaven and that's totally fine right there is that light that comes from heaven but uh, at the same time the seeds are planted in the earth in the great mother in the dark womb of creation and in today's world we don't we no longer honor that this is basically what he shared. And it's important to honor both the light and the shadow because without the shadow, the seeds would not be germinated, the seeds of our truest essence. And so this is the world that we live today uh, where we have disconnected ourselves from the shadow part. And because of that, the shadow part is ruling over our society unconsciously. And so... Basically, yeah, let's uh, um, avoid the animalistic nature, right? And this is something that the more modern religions, they, they came, you know, through that kind of lens. Uh, just disconnect the animal part of you and just connect to the divine part. Um, 
and uh, and then actually that has been the cause of so many problems and issues in the world as uh, Nietzsche said a human being is a bridge between animal and God and everything in between and then if we don't embrace the animal part of ourselves then we can never reach God we can never reach the divine and so this is the reflection of the shadow and the light and then the everyday existence that brings the two together. How can I honor all of the issues in my life and not dismiss them and not um, kind of just get lost in the entertainment industry and just take a pill and pretend like everything is fine and exchange the rusty chains for the golden ones, right? Because that's avoiding the shadow. And uh, and so the ancient societies, they saw that the purpose of our lives is to shine the human spirit in the face of adversity. And uh, my indigenous elders, they share with me, that's the biggest issue that they have in today's world, where it's all about the tourist show and people come to them to see the show and the exotic ritual, um, but not to face themselves not to allow the spirit to shine in the face of adversity and just treat this ancient traditions as exponents in the museum without a practical application in everyday's life. Because everyday's life nowadays is not about facing the shadow. It's about avoiding the shadow, using all the creativity that we have to forget that we are going to die, to forget the issues that we have accepting ourselves for who we are because we don't even know how to. We don't even know that it's possible living in the world today. And so because of that, all the creative energy is going for avoidance. Let's just hide in the unicorns purging rainbows um, and uh, not deal with the issues, not deal with the calamities that are happening in the world today, with the climate change, with uh, the pollution that the humans are generating on all levels, not just on the physical level. And then uh, just uh, treating things symptomatically and locally, both within our own physical organism and also in society. There is an epidemic of suicides, of depression, of um, mass murders. And then people are treating it just symptomatically and say, saying, oh, it's this individual or it's that individual. But actually those individuals, they are byproducts of a sick society. And the sick society is a result of an ignorant mentality that is being perpetuated. And so uh, there is definitely a lot that is possible to learn from the ancient societies and how they really brought the meaning and purpose into the individuation, as you shared. So Jung described the process of individuation and he made a distinction between individualization and individuation, where individualization is... Um, kind of a, a superficial attempt to feel special. Oh, I'm just going to get a new phone upgrade and that's going to make me feel unique and special. And then there's going to be another upgrade 
And individuation is actually cultivating the essential human qualities such as patience, perseverance, forbearance, kindness, relatedness, insight, and then growing up by not becoming special, by not trying to be special, but facing the life's issues as they come, and then learning the lessons and then maturing through that. That is the individuation. And so then, of course, in a society that is based on consumerism, then it's very hard to individuate because everything is based on the next upgrade. And uh, and all these carrots, you know, on a string that are, you know, pulling us forward into the abyss. Uh, but in ancient societies, it's really about individuation. There is no kind of material um, a purpose in itself on its own to accomplish. The material, as our Tibetan elders uh, relate to the material accomplishments and the material existence, it's like the rice shell. And then the inner meaning, the inner purpose is the seed of rice within. So if I can leave this material existence and it's totally fine to have possessions and to have wealth, but not for its own sake, because that in itself will never provide timeless happiness which again, most of the people in the world today, they don't even know that it's possible. And so then if I can have all of this material resources, then I can really honor and support the rice seed within that spark of childlike essence, the discovery, the meaning, the ingenuity. Children love to be useful. They get very... Um, disruptive when they're not useful. And so then discovering that innermost purpose then naturally makes one want to be useful to the greater whole. And so then the individuation comes through that. It comes through this discovery of meaning, of purpose, the discovery of relatedness between the different seemingly unrelated circumstances. And um, that is uh, quite fascinating to look at life in that way where life becomes ceremony. And then I have all of this, but it's not for waste. It's not for instant gratifications and just, you know, burning money away, you know, or whatever. But uh, yeah, it, uh, for me, it's not the, the burning man. For me, it's how to create that continuously instead of just burning all of these resources every time just to have a glimpse of that, but never something lasting. And so in the ancient societies, it was a continuous experience. Then, yeah, let's have all of this material resources and wealth, and then let's celebrate life. Right, let's use that together as a collective. And, you know, everyone, of course, have their own accomplishments and certain status, you know, in ancient societies as well. And at the same time, everyone are provided for and everyone engaged to the degree that they can. 
you know, and I'm not talking about the communist perspective, because, you know, it may seem similar to the communist idea, where it's like everyone work to the degree that they can and everyone get what they need, right? Um, but uh, this is something different because in the communist world, the whole idea of inner spiritual life was missing. It was completely absent. There is no spiritual life. It's against the law, right? <laughs> um, so, uh, so, but um, uh, because of that, it was uh, it failed. To me, that's what it seems. That's my subjective opinion. Uh, it failed because there was a lack of spiritual meaning, of greater purpose beyond this kind of seeming heaven on, on, on earth that we are trying to create. And then we are just depriving ourselves for many generations and then we never create it. Right? But uh, the great perfection in this ancient societies is within. Then I can make do with whatever the world and I can enjoy it. I don't have to just kind of be the smarter that I'm going to work for this bright future and it's never going to come. Right? There is this uh, joke about that from, you know, a, a communist joke where there was this uh, big line, you know, in the communist uh, society. And, uh, you know, there was this, uh, someone, they were selling uh, like this uh, type of beer, I guess, on the street in a big barrel. And uh, this old guy came and he asked this the vendor how much the, you know, a, a glass cost. And the guy told him, you know, a price. And he said, oh, you know, so there's like maybe like, a thousand glasses in the barrel and he said i'm willing to buy the whole thing and uh and and then come back at the end of the night and collect the barrel and so the guy you know said fine you know and this old gentleman he started yelling free beer for everyone free beer everyone and uh, and so at first people didn't believe it. Then there was a huge line that gathered, and um, and so then people started realizing that not everyone might get their share. And people started bickering and fighting and arguing. And then there was like a huge commotion, and the police came, and they arrested uh, a lot of people. And they arrested, of course, this older man that was selling it. And they arrested him and they're like interrogating him. And they said, you know, you are disrupting, you know, the societal order and we're going to send you to the gulag for 40 years. You know, unless you tell us, you know, exactly why you did this. What was the purpose of why you did this? And this older man said, well, you know, he said, I'm pretty old. And I might die soon and I'll never see communism come to fruition. And so I just wanted to see how it would be like. <laughs> right, so. Uh -huh. so yeah, so it's good to find the middle ground, right? It's not one extreme. It's not the capitalism yeah. versus communism. Um, 
but it's to find the middle ground how to really yeah to enjoy the the uh, resources that we have but at the same time to find lasting enjoyment within that how to make it regenerative how to make it sustainable and uh, not for its own sake but to really allow people to discover themselves to return to that truest childlike essence and of course I do see that it's not, you know, uh, real change will never happen and never has happened through politics. If you look at human history, it was always one individual or a small group of individuals that caused real change by embodying the example that was possible for the collective. And so it's not fighting the existing order, but uh, actually creating just one little viable example, even if it's like on the fringe of society, like where we live here. But uh, that has been my vision that if it's possible to create one small viable example that shows, that demonstrates clearly how it's possible for humanity to go forward, that's all that is necessary. Because then it can be replicated in many different ways, right? It's not just the form, but it's the essence of it. Mm, I hear you. And I really enjoyed what you when you been what you mentioned about those essential human qualities. Uh something like holding oneself and and you mentioned those those qualities and, and I think they're definitely necessary to be cultivated on on this journey of discovering your purpose your unique place um, because without it you're still repressing the shadow you're you're still pushing something away and without that you're not really whole uh, which is essential uh, for that individuation stage and yes like our culture is all about pushing pushing uh, uncomfortable things away pushing like oh i'm stressed at work i'm just gonna you know pour myself a glass of wine oh something is is wrong i'm just gonna stay on my phone scroll social media or, or watch that or watch that numb ourselves avoid things by doing something eating something for sure like this 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 is um an illness i guess of the mind and and the one of the biggest challenges that i see yes the culture is experiencing this epidemic or pandemic even of of, of this illness of the mind of this avoidance of this numbing and we have so little mentors or elders who could guide us in that process of holding of cultivating those essential aspects of, of of human that childlike curiosity that perseverance kindness empathy like we have so little mentors out there to which to me it seems like you know we're going through this cycle you know, we're born, we're in a culture, consumeristic, capitalistic culture that is constantly avoiding or numbing, and then we're never finding these people. 
and and then we die avoiding death as well trying to 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 ignore the fact that death is is inevitable impermanence is part of life part of the circle of life and then pushing it even further almost making us no longer human like without these essential qualities without this idea of impermanence like we truly become kind of robots in in the system just performing working more so than ever um and and this lack of mentors and perhaps even the new culture that is emerging of, of bypassing as well where we push the things uncomfortable things away as well and then we just jump straight through to enlightenment like with quotes um but i think true embodiment is really about um embracing embracing all of you not just positive vibes only as some new age folk would probably say um but embracing all of the vibes embracing all of the sides of human um and then once we have if we're lucky to find a mentor or a community where which embraces the 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 human human wholeness aspects cultivates it guides people in in those areas of embracing facing it rather than numbing it then we truly can get closer to to that individuation where we'll hopefully hear that calling to go back to that island turtle island where we can contribute to more to to the community mm-hmm. contribute something that's beyond ourselves no no longer ego centered oh i want this this and this but how can i give how can i contribute to this community how can i share the harvest that perhaps i've i've gathered throughout half a year and share it with the community how i can help and how i can contribute to this planet as well because it's so important i think there's so many elements that come from our planet that are necessary absolutely necessary to individuation and holding and then cultivating those aspects of of the human because as kids we're like so curious about the world we're exploring every blade of grass every flower everything and i think nature provides such a encyclopedia of everything it teaches us that curiosity it helps us helps us to put uh, the hat in a magnifying glass and and go and explore and and then the the system sh- kind of shuts it down um it's like no like go to this concrete jungle this is how it works the 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 grass and the forest becomes ipads and phones in our hands and we lose we lose that that ability to that curiosity that childlike curiosity and other other qualities because our parents perhaps were never part of this part of this just like journey um they were they were or they are stuck in this infantile mind so they can never take their children through through this full life cycle so i think really big issue is lack of mentors out there 
And if there are, sometimes, you know, we really need to be questioning as well, like who we connect with, like what do they say? Are, are they preaching certain ways of truth? Are they bypassing something? What, what, what are they preaching in general? I think it's so important and there's less and less people like the true wisdom holders out there that I think it's 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 looking pretty grim in a sense to to, to the world like where, where we're going like this infantile mind perhaps do you have any practical things for anyone who perhaps are part still part of this very much capitalistic consumeristic world how do you have some sort of words of encouragement or some practical tips where they can start like what should they focus on what should they look for because i think that journey of finding one's purpose first begins of finding oneself holding mm-hmm. oneself mm-hmm. getting out of that rat race yeah 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 definitely um it's essential again, you know, and there are lots of good points that you mentioned, you know, how children love to just play with nature and explore every blade of grass. And then we forget that we are also nature. And then to explore our own difficulties, issues, challenges, just like children explore, you know, being in the forest, being in the, in the, enchanted forest of our own unconscious and then to see how everything that we try to avoid and run away from and get rid of in ourselves it's they are actually raw ingredients for our highest inspiration meaning purpose and uh, um, a more fulfilled life and so they are keys, everything. And it's like raw ingredients. Like diamond in the raw looks like an ordinary rock. Or you showed some vegetables, raw vegetables to someone who never cooked in their life. And they'll know, they, they will not know what to do with it. They'll throw the tops and keep the bottoms and throw the bottoms and keep the tops. And then they won't be able to make it into a delicious meal like a, you know, Michelin star chef would, which they would see those raw ingredients and they will exactly know right away. They will already have the recipe in their mind. So we are like those people who don't know how to cook uh, our own inner life experiences. We don't know how to process. And so that would be my first encouragement is to, to really engage to really start looking at one's life to start being with all the bothersome disturbing discomforts whatever it may be to lean into it to to start exploring it to not just kind of you know grind the teeth and bear it but to see what is the lesson there that it's not just random pains and aches that we are having but uh, there is a deeper lesson there is a deeper meaning and then uh, to start bringing the creative process into it 
And then for different people, different approaches may work. So it's not like one sock fits all, uh, one glove, whatever. Uh, but uh, yeah, there may be different paths, different approaches, but it all has to be practical and relevant to one's own existence. Where is that childlike essence? Where is that inspiration in one's life? Where is the peacefulness, the contentment, the well-being, the ability to accept oneself, to learn the lessons, to keep learning, to grow, to develop? And so there may be many different spiritual paths, the paths of realization that may be relevant for some people more than others, but it all has to connect on the practical level. It's not just a spiritual fashion and an exotic ritual but what what it means for me as a human being how can i be at peace with myself and not need some kind of approval and affirmation from others how can i share being with others and not just the frantic mind how can i engage with this world in a meaningful way and not like the fake book like societies where I'm just maintaining an image, but actually I'm miserable inside. And so, uh, yeah, it starts with questioning. You know, I think for anyone, the spiritual path has to start with deep questioning on one's life, one's existence, one's meaning, what it all even means, not just doing things that others are doing just because they're doing it. So with that, then everything else becomes possible and we can definitely unpack a lot more. So this is our first conversation with Mindagas on these topics. And we definitely encourage our audience to reflect on it and to see you know, what aspect of our conversation you want to go more in depth with. And if you have any questions, reflections, we would love to hear from you. So our hour is coming to completion. I think we have maybe 10 more minutes. So uh, Mindagas, if uh, something you wanted to accentuate a bit more or elucidate. I, I, I think everything that you mentioned resonates and, and makes sense. Um, I think that other element of curiosity, that asking questions, how how do we um let's say go from unaware mind to this mind of questioning this curious mind um how do we transition how do we make that transition from from let's say being in a matrix running on autopilot to going into this questioning like uh, from my personal point um it took a few crises for me to start questioning that mm -hmm. like I needed to be dropped to the bottom in order to, to, to be shaken so much in order to, to really reassess like what's, what's my life? Where am I going? What am I doing? Mm -hmm. um, but perhaps, perhaps, you know, maybe there is another way <laughs> rather than, let's say hitting the rock bottom to, mm. to reach this inquiry or or this curiosity this level of uh, inquiry 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, this again, you know, what you talked about, what you mentioned, the crisis, right? And that's the shadow. And at the same time, there's the other side of it where there is this deeper knowing that there's more to life than just that, than just the shadow. Just because there is the shadow, there is already deep knowing that there is also light. The greater the shadow, the greater the light. And so different people may come to it from different sides. Some people may come to it more from the side of the light, where I am so inspired and I, you know, and I see so much and I'm not able to experience it. I'm not able to bring it into my current circumstances. And so then the questioning will start from the side of inspiration. But it comes to the same, right? It it all connects in the middle realm, in everyday existence. Um, but yeah, of course, uh, you know, it's essential to focus on the shadow and inspiration at the same time. Okay, this is what I'm experiencing. I may be suffering, but because I know that I'm suffering, there must be something on the other side of it. Otherwise, I wouldn't know that it's suffering. Then that's how life would be. But because I can make that distinction, oh, I'm miserable right now, I'm suffering. I also automatically am aware of the other side of it. What does it mean to not suffer? Right? So it it is already part of us, just like the turtles, just like the sea turtles. We have all of this intuitive wisdom within us. And so then it's just to bring it into consciousness and to start living a more intentional, more mindful existence. And not just uh, uh, go by the regular scheduled programming. For sure, for sure. I, I really like what you said that you know that all of it is is already inside. The greater the shadow, the greater the light. So perhaps you know some people will go similarly, like me, experiencing that shadow full blown in order to see that there is or seek for some some light and then hopefully that light will shed uh the path or as you said others perhaps are are more driven by the light that curiosity mm-hmm. and then they <laughs> perhaps reach the shadow where they explore uh that makes sense and thank you roman so much for for sharing your your wisdom and experience it was a wonderful hour and I look forward to, to more conversations like these, for sure. Thank you. Wonderful. Yeah, really great to connect with him. And I guess it's nighttime where you are right now, huh? It is. It's uh, nine o'clock right now. <laughs> wow. But it's getting dark. Yeah, it's getting dark indeed. All right. Well, have a good evening. And we wish Thank much you. love to all of our community around the world. And stay curious, stay open, stay willing to face the shadow and the light and uh, be like that sea turtle. Much love, everyone. Take care. (laughs) Much love. Thank you, Roman. All the best. Thank you for joining us. If you have found value in what we have shared, we welcome donations in order to continue this service. 
To make a donation or to ask a question, visit our website at www.paititi-institute.org. That's www.paititi-institute.org. May all beings be happy and free.